Hello and welcome. This is Suzanne Ricketts with She Is Ministries, and I'll be the host of our podcast. We want to welcome you to She Is Ministries podcast. And just to begin, in case you're wondering just even a little bit about who we are, who is She Is Ministries? We are a women's ministry movement that is passionate about empowering and equipping women to walk right now in the fullness of their daughterhood and to recognize that today you have access to the kingdom keys. And so friends, we just hope that you'll join us, that you will be empowered and equipped as you listen and encouraged as you listen to these podcasts. Uh, we will touch on different things from transformation to hope, to unforgiveness, to borrowed vessels, just all different things within the word of God. So join us on our journey. For such a time as this, for such a time as this. Hello, this is Suzanne Ricketts with She Is Ministries, and today we are going to look at the life of Esther, and we're gonna we're going to look at it from a perspective of as women of God, what can we glean from Esther's life to walk out today? for such a time as this. Was that just a word that was given back in the Old Testament or does it still apply to us today? Have we been ordained for such a time as this today? So I just wanna to begin today. Um, Esther is a book in the Old Testament. It is 10 chapters and we are not going to, for the sake of a podcast, going to unpack 10 chapters of Esther. So what I encourage you to do is to go and read the story of Esther. It, it's not a long story, but there is so much packed in uh, uh, 10 chapters for us as women of God today. And so the question I really uh, want to begin with, again, is for such a time as this, have you been brought into the kingdom today for such a time as this woman of God. So friends, I want you as we walk through, <clears throat> as we walk through this, I want you to just listen to these words and let me set this up for us as what we are looking at. God right now, God can raise up people let this sink in. God can raise up people or any instrument for his work, right? The Lord used a donkey to speak. So God can raise up people or any instrument for his work. Our Lord is not dependent upon man, but, but there are moments when he gives us eternal issues that hang upon the very moments for such a time as this. Such it was for Esther and friends, such it is for you today. We know that God has no difficulty arranging situations, ordaining steps in such a way as to answer prayers here and now. So I want 
uh, as we begin to look at the life of Esther. The Esther, her the name Esther is a Persian word and it means star, or it's also been seen as morning star. Her Hebrew name was Hadessa, which means myrtle. We know in the story that Queen Esther <clears throat> was queen to King Xerxes, and I'm giving you his name in Greek, <clears throat> excuse me, because it is quite a name to pronounce in Hebrew. So King Xerxes, and he is king over 127 provinces. The Persian Empire at that time was the largest the world had known. We know that the queen that was his queen at that time before Esther came in was Queen Vashti. And he disposed of Vashti because through a process of, of, of without going into a lot of detail, but there were three feasts that were held. And at the big feast with all of his officials from all the providences that were invited in, uh, through that feast that was 180 days, there was much drinking and merriment. And during that time, he decided there was much braggadocious talk between these officials of who had the most beautiful women. King Xerxes decides to answer the question once and for all, and he summons for Queen Vashti to come in. Wear your crown. All the historical writings, commentaries all point to the fact that when he summoned her, he summoned her to come immodestly dressed. Some say that he, he, uh, he called for her and summoned for her to come in without clothing. Others say with very immodest clothing, not leaving much to the imagination. Whatever the case, Vashti refused to come. And at that point, he was angry and through a process of a few years, she ends up being disposed of. There is later, four years later, there is a basically a Miss Persia to satisfy the king, a Miss Persia uh, type beauty contest. And of the 400 women that come in, one is chosen to be the queen. And we know that Esther is the one that is chosen. Esther is an orphan. Hadessa. She is an orphan. Her parents were exiles. And her parents have passed. So she has been raised by her cousin, who has taken on the father role. And his name is Mordecai. Mordecai is well known and respected around the city and the city gates. The king also has a right-hand man, King Xerxes, and this man is very evil, very prideful, and has snuggled himself up to Xerxes for his own motives and gain, and his name is Haman. Haman has... has a major offense with the Jews because of, of his past being an Amalekite and uh, just all of the history that goes back in that. And so when he goes into the city areas and Mordecai will not bow to him, although others will, that just escalates his anger and his hate for the Jews. 
So he comes up with a plan and a scheme to eradicate the Jews, gets King Xerxes to send out a proclamation. When the proclamation is sent out, Mordecai is is wrecked. And he is mourning and he puts on sackcloth and mourns and rips his clothes and cries out in the city gates. And word of this gets back to Esther, who is in the palace. And Esther, on the initial front, looking at what is happening, Esther is fearful and doesn't want to do anything because Mordecai tells her that she needs to go before the king and speak for her people because she is held silent all this time that she is a Jew. And and Mordecai has advised her in that. He has been her wise counsel. But Mordecai tells her at this point that you need to go forth for your people. And Esther is fearful of it. And then this is where we know the verse 4.14 where Mordecai speaks to her, for if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place. But for your father's house, it will perish. Yet who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. And so Esther decides, Esther rises up with courage and decides that she will be bold. She knows that if she is to go into the king and she is not summoned, she will surely die if he does not hold out the golden scepter for her to accept her in. She also can look back at the past and see, well, it didn't go so good for Vashti. But she decides, she makes the decision to be bold and to go in. And When she does, she asks the king to attend a feast, and she asks the king and Haman to attend a feast. And so she holds a feast for these two men. The first time she holds the feast, she doesn't say a word about it. She just holds the feast. She invites them that day at the feast to come another day to the feast. So she has a second feast for them. In the process, Haman has gone out and he has seen Mordecai. And again, Mordecai has refused to bow before him. Haman is angry and he goes and he has a gallows built for to hang Mordecai on. And he is scheming a plot because again, because for that problem, you know, to, to make sure that Mordecai is a Jew, that he will be hanged on those gallows. A quick side note on the gallows, The gallows of that time was not what we think with a noose. The gallows was actually a pointed stake that was put in the ground. And this says that this is 50 cubits high. It was placed in the ground. It's a pointed stake. And what happens is, is I I know it's gruesome, but they take uh, the person's legs and they put them, uh, they set this person on the fundant, on the point of the stake, and then they pull the legs downward until the stake the point comes up through the neck and this is how the person passes so this is the gallows at this time very cruel and so mordecai has excuse me haman has this uh, prepared for mordecai during the night before the second feast of esther the king can't sleep 
he awakens. He asked to have the book of Chronicles, the Chronicles of Good Works, read to him. And at that time, and so what is read to him is that Mordecai has uh, thwarted at one point, a little earlier in the in the book of Esther, he has thwarted a he has sent information to the king to the palace of two eunuchs that were planning to overthrow King Xerxes. And so the, the king Xerxes, as he hears the recording, he says, has anything been done for this man, for Mordecai, who has done this good deed? And they say, no, nothing is recorded that has been done. And so the next morning, the morning of the Feast of Esther, Haman comes in to the king's palace and the king says, what, has, what, is, uh, what would you do for someone that you favor and has done a great thing? And so Haman thinks this is him. So he comes up with this elaborate, I would get have this person put on your horse with your robes and your rings. And he comes up with all this extravagant things he would have done. And the king says, great, have that done for Mordecai and you lead the horse and you proclaim the great news of what a great man this is. And so Haman is distraught. He goes out, uh, does this, and then as soon as he gets done, he has to go to the Feast of Esther. When Esther is at the feast, then the king asks her what it is that is her request, and she makes it known that that, that Haman is, that she is a Jew, and that Haman has come against the Jews and is trying to eradicate her people. The king is furious and and it just escalates from there, all the things that happen. And the what happens is that Haman gets hung on the gallows, not hung, but yeah, the Haman gets Haman gets taken to the very gallows that he built for Mordecai and is killed there. And so it it, it moves from there that Yes, Haman is brought to an end, and then Mordecai is is honored. Uh, proclamation goes out, undoing that proclamation about the Jews. But what I want to walk through with you today about God being a God of providence and provision, I want you to look at the life of Esther. And so we look at Esther is an orphan. She doesn't have a mother or a father. And... I want you to think, and and, and friends, I just want to ask you, like how many of you, are, are you sitting on the other end of this podcast and do you, in some area, some facet, some corner of your life, feel like an orphan? Do you feel like you have no one? Do you feel like you have no you have no no parents, no mother, no daddy? And I'm not just talking in terms of the physical. See, because here is the thing. Are you still walking with this orphan spirit? Is there an orphan spirit somewhere within you where you feel like I don't have a place at the table? I don't even know that I'm loved in that place. I don't know that that the unconditional love of God that he is my daddy. And so in that place you're wondering, do I have a place in the in the palace? Do I do I have full access? Can I sit at the table, or do I have to eat off the floor? Do I have to eat scraps off the floor? Do I have to worry when I sit at the table? Will I have food for tomorrow? Will I be able to come back? Is everything at the banquet feast for me? Really? Is that what my daddy has for me? 
Do I have full access to everything in his kingdom here and now today? Or do I only have access to certain rooms? Do I even have a seat? Do I have a name at the table? See, and that's the orphan place. And so we know that Esther was an orphan. And yet here she is as an orphan in the palace of the king. We know that Esther was put through a season of preparation. The season of preparation these girls were put through before they could come into the king's harem or be chosen as queen was a 12-month preparation. Six months of of oil, six months of myrrh, six months of senses. and, and, And so there's a lot in that preparation. But see, what I want to, I want to ask you is, are you in a season of preparation today? Are you being readied for something that's ahead? And are you embracing that? Are you embracing that? Are you embracing? See, because when these girls walked through this season of preparation, it was six months of oil. So it's like they have in the climate they were in, there's a drying and cracking of skin. There's There could be uh, sores that needed to be healed. There could be skin diseases. There's all these things that these oils that were used, cassis oil, myrrh, honey, and these different things that are uh, antioxidants and anti-inflammatories and work on emotional and, and bloating and <clears throat> just uh, treating a ringworm and perfumes and uh, antiseptics and moisturizer, all these things, they're being prepared for something. And what I want to what I want to put to you today is that friends every season is a season of preparation. Listen to that again. Every season is a season of preparation because even though right now, even if right now I am standing in my promised land, I am still in a season of preparation. I'm being prepared for what's ahead. I'm being prepared for the more place. See, Jeremiah 29, 11 tells us, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. So I'm being prepared for something else beyond just what I stand in today. And I have a choice in that season of preparation. I can embrace it or I can fight it. I can embrace it or I can think, oh my gosh, this is the worst thing I've ever been through. See, when I embrace my season of preparation, then I know that God has good things ahead for me. I can embrace those things even when they're not easy even when there are struggles, even when it is taking off those rough edges and it may not feel good, there is something that is good that is being done. See, here's the thing. If we know that Romans 8.28 is true and we know that all things work together for the good of those who love the Lord and are called according to His purpose and we know that all things work together, work together, Let those words have reverence in your life. Work together for the good. So even the preparation is working together for your good. In Esther's story, Esther finds favor 
everywhere she goes. She finds favor with the king. She finds favor in the palace with the eunuch. She finds favor. She She's not a woman that has to show off. There's writings that show that when she went before the king and she was the one that was chosen, that she went simply in a white dress that was one of the most simple dresses. It was not elaborate and outdone like some of the others. There was a simplicity with this woman. Not an excess. Throughout the story, throughout the book of Esther, Esther stays in contact with wise counsel. Are you staying in contact with wise counsel? Do you have wise women around you? Do you have women that speak wisdom into your life? And are you listening to that counsel? See, you may have women that surround you that are wise and speak wise counsel to you, but do you allow that wisdom in? Do you have ears to hear and eyes to see? Do you walk in the wisdom? Or is it merely just words that fall on deaf ears? Esther listened to her wise counsel and walked in that wisdom. In Esther's story, her initial circumstance, her initial looks at the circumstance of of having to go before the king when she hasn't been summoned and Mordecai has told her to, her initial look with her physical eyes is with fear and trepidation. I don't think I can quite do that because of the law. Maybe what happened to Vashti. And she listens to the words of Mordecai for such a time as this. And she says, you know what? Let's fast. Mordecai, you fast. Get the people to fast. I'm going to fast. The women in my court are going to fast. And through that, then, then in the fasting place, do you fast? Do you, do you shut it off? Do you give up things? Do you shave off? Do you submit places and areas of your life? Surrender. And through that, through that fasting, she comes back and she decides, yes, I'm going to be courageous and I'm going to go. So she puts courage and boldness into action and she has the feast. She goes, she, she has, she goes before the king and invites them to the feast. And even in, even in the invitation and the courage and the boldness, it doesn't mean just run with abandon. She actually has that first feast and she doesn't mention anything about it at the first feast. She waits one more day. And has another feast. And in the waiting is where, again, God's providence shows up and moves and behind the scenes and exposes Haman's hate. And the king can't sleep. And the book of Chronicles, the Chronicles book is read to him. And it's where he finds out about Mordecai. He is reminded about Mordecai. So God works behind the scenes in the waiting of one more day. It's not a rash abandon of her. Her courage is not a rash abandon. It is a boldness into action. 
And then when she speaks with the king at the feast, she has wisdom on her tongue in her petition. Again, not a rash woman. Not a rash woman. And so this place of this woman who has come from an orphan, right? Who is from an, she she is an orphan whose family could have been wiped out. Her nation, the Jews could have been wiped out. You see this young woman go from that to a woman who is walking in the fullness of who she was and what it is she was called to do in that moment. And so friends, I want to ask you today, Are you just sitting? Are you just sitting and waiting? Are you hanging out in the orphan place? Are you in a season of preparation and you're thinking this is all there is and you're bitter about being in the season of preparation? Are you in a place where you are you you are cowering back in fear and you have fear and trepidation and everything around you is telling you to step out, to be bold and courageous? Are you running ahead of God or are you waiting when he tells you, wait one more day, wait one more day? Do you have wise counsel around you, wise women? It doesn't have to be a hundred women. Generally, you're going to find your circle is going to be a tight, small circle of wisdom that is around you. Are you listening to that wisdom? Are you leaning in to that wisdom? Are you letting it in and letting it soak down in the marrow of your bones? Do you fast? Are you giving up something to hear God more with more clarity than you hear him with all the distractions that swirl around you every day? Do you know that right now today, you, you, friend, have been brought into today, the kingdom, for such a time as this, to walk in boldness, to walk in courage, to be wise, to speak with wisdom on your tongue? to embrace when you're in a season of preparation, to let go of the place where you've been the orphan and to walk in the fullness of who it is you are called to be today and know and to know that there are moments right now and in your future that eternal issues will hang on the moments. There are lives attached to your yes. I say it all the time. There are lives attached to your yes. There are lives attached to your life, to your yes. Are you willing to stand up and to be counted for such a time as this? Or will you remain completely silent in this time? Friends, I challenge you today, arise, arise and be counted for such a time as this. Be blessed.
And that's all, folks. Subscribe and stay tuned. We have more stuff coming.